Ghost Stories, Part 2. Throughout history, every culture and age has told stories of hauntings, visitations from beyond the grave. Whatever your beliefs, what cannot be denied is that the living are outnumbered by the dead. Theatre District of Covent Garden, London. When I first started here, the customers said the place is haunted. But I thought, yeah, just like every other pub I've ever heard of or ever worked in. But I'd, I'd never seen anything before and didn't really believe in anything either. Shortly after Paul and his family took over the pub, he found his scepticism being tested. Boxing Day, 1994. Swear that. Paul! Paul! Checked every corner of the house, every room, windows, doors, everything. Nobody could have got in, nobody could have got out. There was no one here. The footsteps couldn't have come from anywhere else. There was nobody in the building next door, either side. It was Christmas, there was nobody living in the street other than ourselves. So I can't explain it. When Paul and Claire moved into the traditional surroundings of the Opera Tavern, they were hoping for a quiet life for themselves and their children. It was a typical night and we'd uh, put the kids to bed and we'd come downstairs into the living room and they were sleeping peacefully and we were just watching TV.
What's the matter? There's a man walking downstairs. The kids definitely saw something. They were saying they saw a man walking down the stairs, a man who'd been talking to them in the bedroom and had woken them up. That was the first major instance of seeing him, but it happened several times afterwards. Well, seeing my children upset like that by something which is completely out of your hands is absolutely petrifying because there's, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to comfort them as much as you can and it, it, it did. It was, it was really scary and they, they were so young and so innocent. It was, it was unfair that they had to be so frightened by something like that. And as the months passed, the family began to feel as if they were being stalked by an entity. Quite often when I was working in the kitchen, you'd get a sense of someone watching you, or you'd see something out of the corner of your eye, like a shadow, like someone behind you, and you'd turn around, there would be no one there at all. It was really scary if you were upstairs on your own. Over the years, most of the people who've worked in the kitchen have had the feeling of being watched or being touched on the back or certainly have seen the glimpse of a head coming around the door looking at them. But why would a spirit be terrorising an innocent family? The actor Thomas Hallam was violently murdered on the 10th of May 1735. He was killed in the green room backstage at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Hallam was stabbed in the eye, penetrating into the brain, and then over a course of several days, in agony, he bled to death. Thomas Hallam was killed by his fellow actor, Charles Macklin, who was renowned for his violent temper. Macklin actually went to court and defended his own case and managed to get away with the crime. Could it perhaps be that a sense of injustice has propelled the restless soul of Thomas Hallam to return from the grave to seek revenge on his killer? But Hallam's grisly death happened at the Theatre Royal across the street from the pub. So why haunt the Opera Tavern? There is a tunnel in the cellar which links our cellar with the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. It was used uh, to, to allow actors and important people to cross from the theatre into the pub without having to mix with the rabble who were in the streets. This was a very bad area in those days. It's around there that we feel and see most of the activity. 
tortured soul of Thomas Hallam haunts both places he once knew in life. Will he ever find peace? And more importantly, will the family? It was a lovely pub to run, brilliant family-wise, but it's not that easy just to up and move from pub to pub, unfortunately. So we, 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 we had to sort of stick with it and make the, make the best of the positives and um, suffer the, the negatives, I guess. At the heart of Edinburgh city is Greyfriars Church and Cemetery. But what many visitors don't realize is that it hides one of Britain's most horrific sites of human cruelty. The Covenanters prison uh, was the first recorded concentration camp in the mid-1600s. 1,200 Scottish Presbyterians were kept here by the government. Most of them died, and you could say that they were the lucky ones because the conditions in here were appalling. George Mackenzie was the king's advocate for Charles II and is responsible for the deaths of approximately 18,000 Covenanters. Uh, he would lie, cheat, bring trumped-up charges against them, anything to get them killed. And upon his death, the infamous George Mackenzie was then buried in Greyfriars, as if standing guard over the helpless souls that he persecuted in life. You would think that Greyfriars Cemetery would be the last place even a vagrant would wish to spend the night. But when you're homeless, cold and wet, even the sealed tomb of George Mackenzie might seem welcome refuge. protected the vagrant from the elements, but did it expose him to something much more sinister? Was something now unleashed? People believe the vagrant disturbed something in George Mackenzie's tomb and that that became the Mackenzie poltergeist, that's why it's got the name. The attacks on people began two days after this guy broke into the, the, the tomb. It seems like George Mackenzie is once again inflicting his tyranny on the living, just like he did centuries ago. The belief that Greyfriars is haunted by an entity is one shared by many of its visitors. 
There was a smell like rotting flesh. You just want to get out and you realise you have to get out. I blacked out, woke up in a different part of the graveyard. I would say there was a sense of evil. You get assaulted by something um, that you don't see, you don't feel. Absolutely no idea what happened to me. There have now been over 500 recorded poltergeist attacks in this area, and that's just the recorded ones. We don't know how many have occurred that have not been reported. The attacks take the form of people being cut, uh, bitten, bruised, scratched, burned. One of the most common occurrences is that people collapse. Uh, over 180 people since the occurrence started have fallen unconscious in this area. Um, it's like this thing is a predator. Attack isn't too strong a word, that's what it does. It attacks you. It's evil and it's very, very strong. November 1999, as reports of paranormal attacks rise, Colin Grant, a local spiritualist minister, volunteers to exorcise the malign presence he believes lurks at Greyfriars. And on the scent of an exclusive, journalist Claire Gardner attends to witness events as they unfold. The paper had been covering a few stories about people claiming they'd been attacked by ghosts at Greyfriars. Then Colin got in touch to say he thought he could help out by performing an exorcism, so I agreed to go along. went ahead and I hung back uh, but he turned around to me and said that he thought that the force of the spirits was too strong for him and he thought it could kill him. As we walked around the prison area Colin described what he could see. He said there were some babies lying dead on the side of the building, that there was a man hanging down from the rafters dead that there were some mothers and their children holding their hands out, pleading towards us. they were a, a tragic sea of souls. Colin walked around the area with the Bible, uh, reciting passages and also sprinkling holy water. He said he wanted to try and release all the spirits, but in the end he couldn't because there were just too many. Uh, once he'd performed the exorcism, um, he was absolutely exhausted and in the end was holding on to me for support. He said he was utterly drained and again he turned around and said that he thought that this would kill him. 
refused to go anywhere near Mackenzie's tomb, saying that it would be too much for him. the exorcism at Greyfriars, a battle between good and evil. We will never know. But what we do know is that Colin Grant died not long after his ordeal at the cemetery. I got a call at work saying that Colin had died, and it was then that I thought back to the words he'd said at the graveyard, this thing will kill me. of attacks at Greyfriars have escalated. Believers in the spirit of George Mackenzie are now more convinced that some dark force stalks the graveyard. I believe the Greyfriars graveyard is like no other supernatural case I've ever heard of or read about or encountered. Um, put it this way, if the Mackenzie poltergeist isn't a real supernatural phenomenon, I don't believe there's any such thing. The sea, its cold, dark depths have witnessed countless tragic deaths now swallowed in time, never to return. But many a seafarer would tell a different tale. One such story would be that of the fishing trawler, the Pickering. And when fear strikes, when you are hundreds of miles from land, there is nowhere to escape to. The captain and the crew of the Pickering said that every time they took the ship out to sea, something went wrong. I spoke to the previous skipper, who said it was the worst 18 months of his life, uh, that he did seen an apparition on the, on the prow of the boat in the middle of the North Sea. And they were very down-to-earth blokes, and uh, I concluded that, that it was a genuine haunting. I command in the name of Jesus Christ any restless souls to go in peace. We place. went on board and uh, we took the ship out into the bay so we wouldn't be being watched by lots of people. Father, the Holy Spirit reigns supreme over all things. Amen. And uh, we blessed every part of the, of the boat. We researched the history of the boat and discovered that it had belonged to a family in Ireland. A father had bought the boat and used to run it with his two sons. And one day there was a bad event. 
when the two sons were washed overboard. They managed to save one son, but the other son was completely lost. They never even found his body. This seemed to be the source of the problem, really, and we felt that the, the soul of the man who'd, who'd been washed overboard was still hanging around the boat, um, wanting prayer. But the next crew of the Pickering felt that even after the exorcism, a dark atmosphere lingered. I don't think anybody believed the exorcism worked because the crew I was with honestly thought the ship was haunted. And I tried to play it down a lot of the time, but they, they definitely kind of felt it worked because they was in the opinion that there was things happening above the ship and they didn't like it. It was definitely haunted. It was the ghost, it was him, because it was his ship. It was his ship. And he just couldn't, obviously, the man just couldn't accept it. Shortly after the exorcism, John Hilton was appointed as the new skipper of the Pickering. When I first um, sailed on the Pickering, the local people told me about the, um, the haunting of the Pickering. I just took it as the, the local village folklore story and never thought no more about it. The first problem I had with um, any strange happenings aboard the ship was early hours of one morning, we were steaming from one fishing ground to another. Basically, white as a sheep, panicking. And Go on, take a rest. I'll do the watch. I went on the bridge and he um, pointed to the sonar screen and I he said it was on it, come on on its own. And I told him he'd probably been sat in the chair lounging about and he'd kicked it, kicked the switch. And I was awake then, so I basically lost my rag and told him to go up, go to hell out of it. And I uh, took the rest of the watch myself. Then later on, I realised that when I'd gone down the engine room and had a look at the switchboard, there was actually no power source to the sonar. The sonar was totally disconnected from the power source. Everything like, like what we did, he did with us. And if uh, he wasn't happy with the things what we was doing, he wouldn't let us do it. You used to have him coming down the ladder. When you're away, like, the ship's moving about in the weather. Do you know what I mean? You lay creeks and, you know what I mean, and bits and bobs and that. But when it's, like, coming down the ladder, it was, like, walking down the ladder, like... like that, do you know what I mean? It was just frightening. And things like that happening, I'm sorry, but... 
that's only, that's only stop on land. You can feel when there's something wrong aboard of a ship. You, when, when you've been at sea for a long time, you, you get these feelings. We're just coming to Arbor one trip and uh, shutting the ship down, closing everything down, stopping the engine, locking the ship up. As we got off, off the ship, I was the last one off, I could hear the banging on board the ship. kind of banging like a hammer on a pipe, not a pipe cooling down or anything, a crackling. It was a, a banging on a pipe. That's the type of noise we could hear. explain it, I don't know. You just can't explain it. But there was nobody aboard the ship, not, not whatsoever. After two years of believing themselves plagued by paranormal activity, not only did the crew of the Pickering fear for their livelihoods, they also feared for their lives. The trawler was controlled by him. It could have just sunk us if he'd really wanted to. And it was, it was, it was, it was terrifying. Because you didn't, I mean, he didn't know whether he was going to come home anyway. I mean, it's, it's a bad life to be out there anyway, especially when you've got something, something like that around you. The Pickering was one of them ships where couldn't get to wet properly, couldn't get to fish properly changed the, the rigger, the troll, the doors, everything we could think of changing to make things work better. But when we did finally start fishing properly, things would break down on you and you, you couldn't complete the trip properly. So there was um, always problems, always had problems with it. I mean, I suppose you had to leave any ship. When you put a lot of effort and work into it, it's hard to let go, but uh, there comes a time when you, you got to cut your losses, you've got to leave it, you know. You're not going to make anything any better, so you've just got to cut your losses and walk away from it, basically. Walk away from it and say, that's it, I've had enough. And walk away from it, they did. Two years later, the Pickering was scrapped. It was the best thing for her, because she, she was the dangerous to be at sea, it was the ship. So the best thing for it was to be scrapped.
Tutbury Castle is a very evil place. It's a very dark place and I feel it holds a lot of secrets. Looming over the Staffordshire countryside stands Tutbury Castle. For centuries, its walls were steeped in human suffering, a place where battles raged and public executions and torture were commonplace. Is it possible that a remnant of Tutbury Castle's black history has found a way to resurface? Today, Tutbury Castle is a historical landmark, complete with guided tours. The Easterns arrived there, hoping for a fun family day out. It was a typical Sunday, and the children uh, wanted to go to Tutbury Castle. If I remember rightly, I didn't want to go, but you know our children are. I've been conducting tours here for about six years when I took the castle over, and sometimes we have a lot of folks here and I wear full period costume of Mary, Queen of Scots. We started going up the stairs and Mark started to feel really ill. He says, well, I think I'm coming down with a bit of flu, you know, and goes, oh, you know. I thought, oh no, he's not going to spoil the day. I can remember walking into the castle and I felt there was like an excruciating pain on the top of my head. And then I can remember I was hearing children singing. Then I heard a voice. And he was shouting very strong, harsh words. <laughs> then I started to feel an anger, a rage. And it was like something I'd never, ever experienced or felt in my life. And I don't know what was happening from there. And then he started speaking this foreign language, and I was like, who is this person, you know? Like, it's not him. And then I realised he was saying, Veritas, Veritas, which is Latin for truth, truth. I never did any languages at school. And I, I couldn't really understand the language, which was very strange. seen him like that before. So I pushed the kids under the table to protect them from getting hurt. Daddy! The expression, the colour of his face, his eyes um, changed. I can remember seeing Leslie Smith and the feeling that he wanted to kill her, or I was going to kill her. 
And it was such an evil feeling that I was getting that was almost uncontrollable. I was suddenly aware that this man had turned a corner, if you like, away from the shouting that was building up. And it was quite clear that he was going to be violent. And I could see what was coming. And it was frightening. Daddy! He lifted up his fist to hit me. And then with his other hand, he went for my throat. Children was just frightened. They didn't want to go near him, and it's awful. Cos that's a dad. The hardest thing for me is it terrified my children. It terrified my wife. And to be completely honest with you, it terrified me, and it still terrifies me. Whatever happened to Mark at Tutbury Castle was both extreme and disturbing. It's now been nearly two years since his ordeal, and he is still recounting that day over and over, trying to work out what actually happened. totally changed my life, it's traumatised me. I just want answers. And in an attempt to find those answers and solve the mystery for him and his family, Mark has decided to be regressed back to that day, to that moment in time by regressionist Vicky York. Until you simply hear the one, just the one, that is most important for you to hear. To take control of time and move. My! You are safe. You are safe. You are safe. You're back. You're back. You're safe. You're safe. Would you like a drink of water? And I couldn't handle it as. Basically, Mark came out of that really because he wasn't prepared for turning into that person. He was prepared for looking at it as if he was watching. But of course, it changed from that to Mark actually becoming who he was in that past life. And that really shocked him so much that it spontaneously brought him out. It is an extreme reaction, but really when somebody's shocked, it's when they receive something which they're not expecting, then very often that extreme reaction will occur because it was too much to experience it firsthand. What exactly happened to Mark remains unclear, but eyewitness accounts lead him to the disturbing conclusion that he was possessed by a violent entity. Whatever it was that tried to possess me was very evil. It wanted to commit murder. 
Over the last two years, there have been various reports of paranormal encounters at Tudbury Castle, but none of them as alarming as Mark's. He believes that there is something there. If he is right, could some future unsuspecting visitor be its next victim? Victoria Avenue, Hastings. Another ordinary house in a quiet residential part of this seaside town. Or is it? It's not unusual for children to have harmless imaginary playmates, but can such playmates become something far more sinister? I'm really tired. It's four o'clock in the morning. When are you gonna go? Please go. I'm really tired. Go away. It was almost as if there was a presence in the room, uh, the presence of a little girl who didn't want me to come into the room at all. And I wouldn't go in. It worried me. I didn't want to know. I think the entity was evil. It was a horrible black feeling I felt. I didn't like it. That's something I don't recall. Uh, this little girl that my nan's told me about that I apparently spoke to, things like that, I, I don't remember. I think Kirsty must have blotted it out. She's wiped it right out of her mind altogether. I think it was because it wasn't a very happy time. With her grandmother looking after her, growing up was a difficult time for Kirsty. But Ruth came to the chilling belief that her emotional turmoil was being exploited by some form of entity. An evil twin. A sinister creature that stole her away from normal life. It felt like I was sort of losing grip and something else was taking over. But Kirsty and her grandmother were not alone in believing something strange was happening in the house. Gas fitter Andrew Varrell was expecting a routine repair job when he arrived at the house. The job at Victoria Avenue was um, quite a small job, a two-day job. All we had to do was take out an old boiler.
banging and shouting and laughing started, like a little girl running up and down the hallway, banging, shouting, laughing, and it just started sounding like it was all around me. Just all got a bit much and a bit, a bit scary, really, so I thought I'd better get out and find out exactly what was causing it. I came out to try and find out what this noise was. When I got upstairs, um, I saw the lady just sitting there. I asked her what the noise was. You probably heard the gal. I said, well, what gal? She said, the gal, there's some, like some kind of spirit or something, which I didn't kind of believe, but it really made me go cold and I just sort of, I didn't know what to think, but it really freaked me out. Andrew may have experienced the most terrifying job of his life, but at least he could return home. For Kirsty and Ruth, there seemed to be no escape. When Kirsty started having a really bad raise, it was a very trying time, very bad. It used to worry me a lot. Uh, she was really, really evil at times. Ruth felt that as the months passed, the atmosphere at Victoria Avenue darkened. It felt like I couldn't control it at all. And as much as I tried to stop it, I couldn't do it. I don't know where it came from. It just felt like a completely different person. That's all I can say to describe it. I just couldn't cope. I'm afraid I told Kirsty to go. I told her to get out, go and live with her father, and not come back. Couldn't handle it anymore. It was destroying me, and I think it was destroying her. <laughs> 